Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And we are ready for the patented Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, uh, Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling. Listen, I was given a very expensive camera today as a gift. Um, they were foreign tourists. Uh, couldn't quite understand what the, all the, the, the what they were trying to tell me, but uh, the gesture was really nice. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Ah, very nice stuff. I actually saw Duff. We got to watch the Rolling Stones together in London in Hyde Park. Uh, great to see him. One of my favorite people in the world. I did not get him to do a live uh, Duff joke of the week because the Stones were already playing when uh, I saw him. I was up in the uh, Hard Rock Hotel suite. And he said, come down. I'm in the pit. And for some reason, I thought he meant he was in the pit, like in the crowd, in the audience. And so I'm looking, trying to get through the crowd. And, of course, no one's letting you through. And everybody's angry because nobody likes the guy that pushes past you when you have been waiting all day to see the stones. And finally, I'm like, where are you? He goes, I'm not in the pit with the people. Come on, man. I'm in the pit, like the photography pit, the the, the photography pit right by the stage. So then I was able to finally find him. So we had a good time, a nice little reunion, and he always delivers the joke. Maybe not the laughs, but the joke. Uh, and has been doing so for almost five years. So thanks to Duff, and we appreciate you uh, every single week. Guns N' Roses are touring Europe right now. Uh, they were in Glasgow, but they had to cancel the night after I was in Glasgow. So Duff and I are in Glasgow together too, but they had to move on to Croatia or wherever they went, and I moved on to uh, Belfast. So... Uh, great to see Duff go see the Guns N' Roses. And thanks to everybody who came to the Jericho Chronicles. Almost a thousand people saw me tell some great stories with the amazing uh, people at Inside the Ropes. And I'm going to uh, get the audio of those three shows, the WrestleMania show, Jericho's WrestleMania matches, Jericho's biggest matches, and then AEW. And I'm going to air those over the next few months. So thank you so much to everybody who came. And thanks to all of you who are buying tickets for the Save the World Tour. We are rolling out again September 8th in Columbus, Ohio. We're headed to Canada, and we're also going to New Zealand and to Australia. And I'm coming back to the UK with Fozzie, Ireland, Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales, England. So go get your tickets at fozzyrock.com for all info and ticket details. And, of course, our amazing VIP packages as well. So go check those out. And don't forget ChrisJerichoCruise.com. We've got some more big announcements coming up. So if you do not have your cabin, you better get it soon. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. All right. I mentioned I'm at the Hard Rock Hotel. Last time I was at the Hard Rock Hotel was in December of 2021 when I was basically here for a week due to an undisclosed illness. Well, that uh, undisclosed illness is going to be disclosed today. Time has come to tell you guys what happened to me in December when Fozzie had to cancel some shows uh, because I was in the hospital uh, and Tony Khan basically kind of let the cat out of the bag this week and and gave the reason why I was in the hospital here uh, from blood clots. But it wasn't just blood clots. It was actually a pulmonary embolism. I'm going to share all the gnarly uh, details behind what happened, uh, why I was in London, uh, what I did when I was in London, how I knew that I was uh, very sick and uh, how I narrowly avoided disaster, and also now how I'm doing 100% clean bill of health. So a lot of good came out of the experience, including the Jericho Appreciation Society. So there you go, and this podcast. So uh, as Loverboy said, I'm going to start from the start and tell you the whole tale. I'm giving it to you straight right here in Talk is Jericho, how I survived 
A Pulmonary Embolism by Chris Jericho. All right, so as the title of this show states, after Tony Khan kind of let the cat out of the bag uh, a few weeks ago, I did have what is called a pulmonary embolism uh, back in December 7th, I believe, of 2021. And I found this out when I was in London, England. And it's interesting to me because I'm at the Hard Rock Hotel in London, which is basically where I was for almost a week after we found out about this. And that's kind of what I'm here to tell you today. I've been waiting a while to tell this story. I kind of wanted to wait until some things were settled and figured out and uh, make sure that everything is back to where it needs to be and is back to normal and is back to the new normal and kind of fill you guys in on the whole story of what went down. Now, pulmonary embolism basically means blood clots in your lungs. And that's what I had, a whole, a whole bunch of them, which are now pretty much gone. All of them are gone, which is great to hear. Um, but I kind of will explain to you the whole process and the whole story behind it. So back in November, end of November of 2021, Fozzie had a tour of the UK. And first show was in Liverpool. And that one went good. Second one was in Manchester. And then the third one, I believe, was in Newcastle. And Manchester, after the show, I went out, um, had a couple drinks, got back in the bus fairly late. And the next day in Newcastle, when we were doing the show, I felt kind of a little bit winded, which is weird because I'm never winded on stage. I mean, even if it's super hot, sometimes you play a venue that has a, a low roof or something along those lines, and you get super hot to where, like, oh, my gosh, it's hard to breathe. This was not that. The venue in Newcastle, the riverfront, uh, was a nice place, high roof, not super hot, but I found myself kind of searching for breath and gasping for breath during the songs to where it was hard to even sing all the lyrics. I was joking. I kind of sounded like Vince Neil, who's notorious for singing you know, every second or third word and letting the crowd fill in the rest. Didn't really think much of it. Had a couple more shows in Ireland we did. Dublin and Belfast were just were in, just insane. But same thing. Kind of feeling a little bit short of breath. So then I remember we were in, I believe it was Birmingham. And it's funny because we were talking about the movie Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. And the actress is Glenn Headley. And we were just discussing, you know, what she was doing now and where she was and basically found out that she had passed away from what? A pulmonary embolism. Now, during this time frame, when I was feeling a little bit kind of short of breath, I was talking to my doctor at home in Tampa who said, you know, this could be blood clots. You could have some blood clots. Sounds like it might be that. And she said, when you get back home to Tampa... We'll put you through a couple CAT scans and kind of see where you're at. But if you start feeling really short of breath, go to the hospital directly. So fast forward to the next night. The show was in a place called Chester. 
so once again a um, low roof and it was so so hot because the place was sold out every gig on this tour was sold out it was the first time that we ever had that we had 12 shows and every one of them was sold out before we even um, left and got on the plane so in chester i was really feeling like this is terrible i can't breathe um there's a door right by the stage that leads to the outside and i said i'm just gonna walk off stage i can't take it but i finished the show and then my doctor said you have to go to the hospital like now and we were in uh born bournemouth the next night and then headed to london for a press day and i thought well i'm not going to go to the hospital in bournemouth or um, Chester, let me just wait till I get to London and we can figure out kind of where I'm at. So yeah, we did the Chester gig and then I had two more shows, Birmingham, where I felt okay, but I knew that we had London uh, after Bournemouth and that would be kind of the place where I'd get checked out and see kind of what's going on. Bournemouth was the same thing where I was getting a little bit hot and we cut a couple songs. A song called Burn Me Out is super hard to sing. A couple other ones. I think we ended up doing 12 or 13 songs, even though we usually do 15 or 16. And that was it. And I remember saying after the Bournemouth show, I can't do another show like this. We need to figure out what's going on. So what I had our manager, Mark Willis, do was call a friend of ours called Luke Bell. Now, Luke Bell worked for us as our tour manager for years. And he's now gone off and he works for the Red Hot Chili Peppers now. He connected us with a rock doc. Now, what is a rock doc? A rock doc is a rock doctor is kind of a guy who travels to you when you don't have time to travel to them. So I went to London and we parked the bus outside of the O2 arena because there's a parking place where buses can go and took a taxi to the Hard Rock Hotel in London which is where we were going to be based out of to do our press day. And by the way, I love the Hard Rock Hotel and I stay here all the time. That's why I'm currently here right now uh, on the eve of my Jericho Chronicles spoken word series of shows that I'm doing here in the UK. And that's how I found it. I'd never stayed there before, here before. So when I got to the Hard Rock Hotel, I came in, you know, got there early, took a shower, and then the doctor, Dr. Hakeem, his name was, he came and uh, took some blood, and I told him what was going on. And he said, okay, well, we're going to book you for a heart scan later on, and you um, will take some blood, and we'll see kind of what's going on. So just kind of chill out and hang out. And I was really having problems walking. I would be walking, you know, across the, you know, the, the lobby here at the Hard Rock Hotel, and it felt like I was walking, you know, up a mountain. Really, really bad. Huffing, puffing, out of breath. Something was really wrong. So we canceled basically the press day. We were supposed to have a listening party, and that got canceled due to COVID. And then I was supposed to go do kind of a sideline reporting thing at uh, one of the football games, one of the soccer games here in town. I can't remember what team it was, maybe Chelsea, something like that. And it was, uh, I, I basically had to cancel. I can't do it because I had to stay here and also, I had to figure out what my plan for the day was and what I was going to have to be doing. So anyways, about an hour later, I get a call from Dr. Hatim who said, you uh, have blood clots. We can tell by the blood that we drew 
you have to go directly to the hospital. Now, pretty scary. Now, keep in mind, I'm in London. I'm thousands of miles away from home in a foreign country, and now I have to go to a hospital. Well, the cool thing was that the um, the rock doc, doctor team, worked for a medical concierge. And I never knew there was such a thing. And what's a medical concierge? Well, that, this is a place where you pay, and the service they do is basically take care of everything. They book you the appointments. They get you the results. Anything that needs to be done, they take care of it for you. And thank goodness, because obviously this was in December when there was still like all of this COVID going on. Uh, so all the hospitals were fairly full. And the last thing you want to do is just go to, you know, a hospital and sit in the hallway. So they were able to book me in a private hospital and get in quicker. And away you go. And this was actually December 9th. It was the day after my dad's birthday. So I go to the hospital. They pick me up and drive. And the, and the coincidental thing was the hospital that I went to was just basically about 10 minutes away from the Hard Rock Hotel, which is insane if you know how big London is. So all of this stuff happened almost like kismet, if you will, in that there was a serious issue with me, but everything kind of turned out, you know, as you'll see, the, the way that it should have and could have. So I get to the hospital and I can barely walk. I mean, walking across the lobby to get to the car to go to the hospital was a real task. It was terrifying. Like you three steps and I was just huffing and puffing and heart is pounding. And you're knowing like something is really, really wrong here. Then the walk from that car to the hospital, same thing. Might as well have been a thousand miles if it was, you know, a hundred feet, if it was even that 50 feet. So I walk inside and I'm trying to be cool. You know, I, I know kind of what's going on here, but I'm a little bit scared. And obviously anybody would be, especially when you have to go into a hospital. But I'm thinking, oh, who knows what it is? And, you know, you always think, oh, they'll just give me a shot and I'll move on my way. Well, you know, not necessarily the case. I go inside, I check in. Thankfully, the concierge has everything ready. Everything is cool. Dr. Hakeem comes and meets me, um, which was cool because he actually was working for a private client who had a boat, a yacht. He had to go give COVID tests before the guy had a party. And that guy whose yacht it was was, was Jerry Jones. <laughs> he went and, and did all the tests for Jerry Jones and uh, then came back to meet me, which I thought was cool. And once again, it's their job. But this is after hours. It's late. It's dark outside. So um, I'm waiting to get checked in. And, you know, keep in mind, prior to that, I went and saw him early in the morning. And I, I had an appointment with a cardiologist, actually, at 6 p.m. And I met with him about 10 a.m. in the morning or so, 11 a.m. in the morning. And they were going to give me an EKG and possibly an echo ultrasound of the heart. And then, you know, he texted me and said that the blood showed high possibility clot in lung. The cardiologist got the results. And I said, what does that mean now? We'll do CT lungs first, then we'll know for sure. And then it's tablets to thin the blood. So I was thinking, you know, once again, just give me some pills and I'm on my way, right? So I went to the hospital and I gave my insurance. And then it's actually Dr. Hader. His first name was Akeem, but it's a Hader was his name. And I go, I get checked in and they go take me for the CT scan. And after the CT scan happens, 
then they tell me very soon after, yes, you've had a pulmonary embolism. What does that mean? It means that your lungs are filled with blood clots and you are now staying in the hospital. And they went and did an ultrasound and found that there was evidence of a clot had been in my throat. Now, if a clot gets in your throat, that's getting into stroke territory. And the reason why these are so dangerous is if the blood clot breaks free and gets into your lungs, you could have some serious issues. If it breaks free and gets into your heart, you can have some serious issues. If it breaks free, breaks free and gets into your brain, you can have serious issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Don't forget Glenn Headley, what I told you about. And I also found out that Roddy Piper essentially died of a pulmonary embolism as well. So this is some serious, serious shit here. And I go into the, ho- into the hospital and, you know, I have my own room and, and all that sort of thing. And you then check in and here you go. And it was nice. and The people were nice. But once again, I am in a foreign country in this hospital room. And when they wanted me to go down to get the CT scan and the ultrasound, they wanted to put me in a wheelchair and you have to put the hospital gown on. And I was like, absolutely not. I am walking down to get this done. And even though uh, it was hard for me to walk, I did not want to get in that wheelchair. And I did not want to put on that gown. I put on shorts and a muscle shirt and I said, this is fine. I'll do this. And they're like, sir, you have to put on your gown. I said, no, I don't. And they just kind of thankfully left me because to me, if I put the gown on, that's more of a permanent stay for me to get into the wheelchair and get pushed down to the cat scan and the ultrasound. That's another step to being there longer. So I am not going to do that. I am going to, you know, essentially do this my way because now I'm a little bit scared. And also too, the first thing you do when you get in there is COVID tests and people wearing masks and all this other stuff. So It's a little bit of a high-stress situation and also knowing, okay, you have a pulmonary embolism. What exactly does that mean? What exactly does that entail? How exactly do we get through this? And that's kind of the next stage and the next step of how I survived a pulmonary embolism. All right, so like we said, I'm in the hospital. And now I know I have to have, you know, all these tests and all these exams to kind of wait and see where I'm at and what I'm going to do. And they had told me that you need blood thinner. And I remember just waiting for this blood thinner because I'm getting a little bit like freaked out because what if, you know, what if this ends up being like Glenn Headley with ends up being like a, you know, a Roddy Piper thing where pulmonary embolism and here you go. So finally they come in to give me a blood thinner, but it's not a pill. It's a shot. And the shot goes right into my thigh. And I'm not sure if it's because it works faster or whatever it may be, but it hurt like a mother. It was hard. But at least I felt, okay, I, now I have these blood thinners running through my system. It's step one in getting better. Another thing, though, is my oxygen levels. Now, something that people would notice during COVID that you would check your oxygen level. And they're supposed to be basically 100, you know, 98, 99, 100. Mine was down to 92. And they said, if this goes lower, we're going to have to put you on um, a breathing, not a breathing tube, but put, put oxygen, put you on oxygen. And that was terrifying too, because once again, at this point in time, people were going on oxygen. And if they weren't, if that wasn't working, they were going on ventilators. And that's why, because they couldn't get enough oxygen in their, in their blood. 
So now I'm starting to freak out because once again, I do not want to end up, uh, you know, on a ventilator because ventilators are bad. That's kind of what we've been told with COVID. And it's, you know, one step closer to just staying in this hospital. And the thing about going into a hospital, it's always terrifying because you're like, what if I never come out? And your mind starts playing tricks and all this other stuff. So anyways, first night I go in, they offer me some food. You look at this menu and it's like, oh, that's not too bad. Get some food. And okay, here I am. And like, to me, it's like, I'm not sad and saying, oh, poor me, woe is me. It's like, okay, I have this pulmonary embolism and now I have to deal with it and figure out, you know, how do we get back rolling? And meanwhile, we still have shows. Keep in mind, this is my day off of the ninth and we had a sold out show in Nottingham and a sold out show in Swansea and a a sold out show in London. You know, and of course, being the consummate show must go on. I'm like, okay, well, get out of here tomorrow. If I can get out of here by noon, I can get there by four and we can do the show. So I eat my food and uh, kind of watch some, I can't remember if I watched a movie or whatever it was. And of course, talk to my wife and tell her what's going on. And she's worried, but it, you know, it's like, it's, it's just the way it is and everything is fine. And so now I'm in the hospital. And, you know, the morning comes and the doctor comes and sees me and says, no, you have to stay here. You know, we have to make sure that these blood clots are, are, are showing evidence that the thinners are working. And we have to we want to really make sure about this evidence of the blood clot that you had that we saw in the ultrasound. So there you go. And you are now in the hospital. What do you do all day long? Well, I was probably up till five or six in the morning worried so I slept till about noon, but they, you know, you, they, they, you order your food and you can get anything you want. That's the cool thing about a hospital. You look on the menu and order anything you want. So I was doing that, but I noticed that the menu was the same one as the night before. I'm like, well, maybe this is just the menu for the day. And a doctor comes and checks me out and once again, and, and they're doing all the vitals and they're doing all this stuff. And I get my other shot of the blood thinner, which once again, into the thigh at this point in time, I think it was like, you know, 10 milligrams twice a day really staying on this and then the doctor comes and says okay tomorrow morning if your blood levels are low then you can get out but you we need to keep you here for today so now i'm like okay so call my manager and now we have to cancel a show and i don't recall ever canceling a fozzy show ever i don't remember ever having to, to cancel one but you know the next night is swansea in wales so that one's canceled. And what do you do? What do you say? What do you tell people? You know what I mean? Like, how do you let them know that the singer of the band is in the hospital without causing a panic? What do you say? What do you do? So I think we kind of just let them know that the show is being canceled. I don't remember what the reasoning for it was. And, you know, we should have just said COVID reason or whatever, but I don't think we said anything. And, you know, stay the day in the hospital and it's time for the food at night. And it's like, it's the same menu again. So I think I had the same thing again because I enjoyed what I had the first night. But now my, my oxygen level is still going down. And now they're like, okay, we're going to put you on oxygen tonight. And that's when they stuck the tube into my nose. And that was a freak out. Because once again, here we go down the hill to where now I'm on a tube up my nose, which is getting worse and worse. And, you know, I'm staying up watching movies. I watched a movie, I can't remember what it's called, The Bridge, maybe, about the, it's probably pretty depressing while I was watching it, about people who commit suicide by jumping off the San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge. And I watched a uh, documentary on Sam Jones, who played Flash Gordon, which I loved when I was a kid. 
uh, watch that. You know, and once again, get up in the morning, and if if the levels are low, I'm allowed to leave. And I come in, and the guy goes, "I'm sorry, they're they're not uh, they're not going where they should be. You have to stay for another day." And that's crushing. Now I'm like, "No, I can't stay for another day. I I, I can't do this. I can't, I can't do this." You know, and now we have to cancel Nottingham. So we put out a statement that you know Chris Jericho is in the hospital, which was probably the dumbest thing we could have done because now my kids find out about it and. Everybody's panicking, and I'm getting all these calls. And I swear, I got probably, I don't know, 500 texts from people concerned. And I'm trying to keep it low. I mean, this, no one really knows why I was in the hospital to this day. That's why I'm kind of telling this story. Uh, like I said, I'm always planning on doing it, but now kind of prompted by Tony's announcement of it. So I'm calling Tony and telling him and my dad and, of course, you know, my wife and everybody else that I know and everyone's really concerned and people are offering to come over to London and come rescue me. And I'm like, it's okay guys. It's fine. And you know, meanwhile, the band is stuck on the bus at the O2. Um, they've got nowhere to go. There's no shows going on and we don't know what's going to happen. So finally the doctor comes again and, and says that now the blood clots are going down, but you have to have, you know, your lungs checked and your heart checked and all these other, ch- all these other tests and the cool thing is they send me to, he is named Professor Luke Howard, who was like a higher up uh, like specialist in cardiopulmonary medicine and exercise physiology, professor of practice of cardiopulmonary medicine. He's a higher up in London. And so at least I know I've got the right people behind me, which is always the best thing. Like, you know, okay, at least I have the true pros here so once again you're in the hospital waiting and then i realized this menu is the same every single day if i had to stay here for a week i'd lose my mind because you now you're eating the same thing you're kind of trapped you're stuck so finally the morning of the 12th comes and they say okay you are allowed to leave uh, you have an appointment today with dr howard we just don't want you to sing tonight because everyone knew that I had a concert and everyone was cool. And some of the people there were fans from wrestling and there was even a couple of Fozzie fans. And of course, some didn't have any idea who I was, but they knew that I was there for a concert. They said, you can't do a show tonight in London. And that's when we started thinking, well, maybe we can do some kind of an exclusive like listening party for people. And that's when we came up with the idea of doing like the Fozzie fan fest where we played our new record. And then we did live karaoke where, um, the fans sang Judas and kind of just left it at that. But anyway, so I, I get out, I go see Professor Howard, and he tells me kind of all the things that I have to look for, and he also tells me that you can't fly home until we make sure that your oxygen level is high enough. We know that the blood thinners are working for the clots, but you have to you know, make sure that you can breathe properly. So well, let's let's stay here. I think that was on like on a Monday. Let's wait until Wednesday. Come back in. We'll see where you're at, and we'll go from there. So that's kind of where it where it's at. I'm good. I'm out of the hospital. Thankfully, the hard, fine people at the Hard Rock London were able to find room for me. Kevin Lee, who is one of the managers, is a fan, and said we'll take care of you. We'll find you a spot. So they're kind of shuffling around the Hard Rock Hotel. Keep this in mind. This is right before Christmas time. So this place is packed. London is packed. So there's not like you can just lounge around and get any room that you can and get any space you can. And thank goodness that, that they were able to accommodate me because once again, had they not like I was stuck here, stuck in London. 
So we did the the, the, the fan fest at the Islington Academy. Now, if anyone knows the Islington Academy, the, the, the dress rooms are downstairs. Um, but before, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. So anyways, when I was finally discharged from the hospital, walking out that door was one of the greatest moments of my life. Because I was like, okay, I'm out of the hospital. I made it, you know. And they were concerned about a lot of things, but at least I was out. You know, I, like I said, when you first go in the hospital, the biggest concern is, am I ever going to come out of here? And when I finally walked out of there, I was very, very excited. It was one of the greatest moments, like I said. So anyways, got the diagnosis from Dr. Howard, Professor Howard, uh, thought of the idea of doing the fan fest. So the next day we do it. And the, like I mentioned, the Islington Academy dress rooms are downstairs. Walking up the stairs, I couldn't do it. I was like, I told Sam, our tour manager, like, dude, I can't do this. You, we have to get an elevator. So I ended up taking the freight elevator upstairs to the stage and back downstairs to the dressing room because I couldn't walk. You know, I still was really short of breath. I was healing, but keyword healing still had a lot of issues, obviously. And we do the gig. It's a big success. And everyone gets to go home the next day, except for the intrepid leader of Fozzie, Chris Jericho, who is stuck in London indefinitely. Now, once again, I was stuck and I was cool with it and my wife was cool with it. It's like, I will stay here as long as I have to until it's safe to travel. Because Professor Howard said, you know, we can give you an oxygen tank maybe and you can get on the plane with an oxygen tank and we have to find out the protocol. I'm like, I'm not doing that. There's, I, I do not need to be getting on a plane with an oxygen tank worried if I can breathe, you know, worried if my blood oxygen level is going to be high enough to do an international flight. There's no way. And then I'm thinking, well, like maybe I can find one with a bunch of connections and get off. And it's like, no, let's just stay here. Don't push it. Don't rush it. Let's do what the professionals want me to do. So now officially I'm stuck at the Hard Rock Hotel in London. But once again, I'm not. if you're going to be stuck somewhere, there's worse places to be stuck. There's a band playing here every night at eight o'clock. The food was good. I was still allowed to drink. Uh, not that I was going crazy, but at least I knew that I you know, didn't have to worry about that because the biggest thing was you can't fall down and hit your head because the blood clots and the blood thinner can create a hemorrhaging. Okay, so that's kind of where I'm at. Now, Professor Howard also has a couple of theories. What caused this? One of his thoughts was Paget-Schroeder disease now, or pa Paget-Schroeder. Is, it, it's a, a syndrome or a condition, Paget-Schroeder condition. What exactly is that? Well, this is something where people get blood clots in their upper extremities, in their shoulders, uh, in their chest because they raise their hands too much. Like for example, violinists get this quite often because their, their, their arms are always up in the air and that can shrink your blood vessels in your shoulder and cause this clotting. So he was thinking Paget Schroeder, which I'd never heard of before. You, you can go Google it now. It's, I believe it's P A G E T dash H S H. And you guys will be able to find it from there. And when I'm singing, I do a lot of operatic Bruce Dickinson movements where my hands are up in the air and, and you know, from kickboxing and wrestling. And there's a lot of like, well, it, it could be anything. You know what I mean? Like blood clots aren't really caused by anything. It's more of a natural, a natural, uh, you know, issue. So let's go with Paget Schroeder. Let's see. I mean, that sounds just as good as anything else to me. So there I am, Hard Rock Hotel, and I'm doing a lot of podcasts uh, to kill the time. I remember I did the Amityville Horror podcast. I did the uh, the Tiger King sequel podcast. I did Corey, uh, Carrie Silken. 
Um, so I was keeping myself as busy as possible. Scotty Tuhati I did from here. You know, hanging out with some friends, but basically just convalescing, just healing. Because once again, it was still harder for me to be walking around. And it was hard, too, to see everybody go home. But, it, you know, at least now I'm out. And, and now I'm going for more ultrasounds to check out that, that uh, clot that they found traces of in my neck that had gone so that was good news because in the hospital they're like if the, if we can't if we can't figure out where this clot is we're gonna have to do a, a procedure where they stick a tube into your throat and that was like oh i have to have surgery thankfully that clot was gone um once again getting the scans and what i had to do was go to see professor howard and checking that blood oxygen level now how do you check it well you're sitting in a chair all we want you to do is stand up and sit down for 30 seconds and I did that and then stand up and sit down for 60 seconds let's see where your blood oxygen level is at and when they found it was going up not down I think it was up about 95 96 finally I'm given the okay to go home which I believe was on Friday so it was like five days after I was supposed to leave I'm finally given the okay to go home and once again one of the greatest moments getting that that uh not saying clean bill of health because it wasn't a clean bill of health, but getting the permission to go home, knowing when you get home, that's when the real work starts. So that was a great moment too. But the worst part was, is that of course, back then you're still testing COVID testing to see if you can go internationally and you have to take the test online on a video. And I was taking that test and I was like, if this thing pops positive, I got stuck here for another three days or I'm going to lose my mind. Thankfully it was negative and uh, the next morning, I was back on the plane, uh, completely happy and safe and knowing that I'm doing good to fly, but also knowing that there is a lot more to come uh, when I get back to Tampa after surviving a pulmonary embolism. So when I get back home to Tampa, I talk to Tony and he decides that I'll just stay off till after Christmas. I think we had a show like in Charlotte. He said, just come back in Jacksonville. But once again, I don't know if I can wrestle or not yet because you can't wrestle when you're on these heavy blood thinners. And at that point, I think I was still on 10 milligram pills twice a day. But when I got back home to Tampa, uh, I went and found a medical concierge called Griffin Concierge in Tampa. Great, great people. If you're in Tampa and you need uh, some medical assistance, some medical concierge, you would be remiss not to look them up because they're incredible. And the doctor that I had is uh, Dr. Shaw, who was my doctor years prior, who left the practice that I went to to go to a private concierge service. So it was just, once again, everything that happened here was very fateful. So then it's like you go for every exam heart, lungs, blood, you name it. And I was going through everything. And, and, and so they send you to everything. You know, you talk about a hematologist and a, uh, what's it called? A, col- a colonoscopy. And, you know, every single thing that you don't do, because I'll just do it later, I did. Every health procedure that you needed to do, I did. And one of the things was I went on this very intricate scale and the scale kind of measures everything. And one of the things that measured is your visceral fat. Well, what's visceral fat? Visceral fat is the fat that surrounds your organs. And he said, you need to lose some visceral fat. Well, how do you lose visceral fat? Well, you lose weight. Fast, uh, go back to uh, New Year's Eve. I was with my wife at the Don Cesar in Tampa. 
Uh, we went there ourselves because there was nothing going on. We met a couple there where the guy had just opened a medical weight loss clinic in Tampa. Fate, hello. So I said, well, I'm going to go to this medical weight loss clinic because I have to lose this visceral fat. Uh, let me see, uh, you know, how this works. I went in there. I was 241 pounds. Now, looking back, was I, was I too big? Absolutely. Uh, overweight, I guess. Ever out of, out of shape cardio-wise? No. I never was blowing up or anything like that. But I had gained some weight after I worked with Kenny Omega at the Tokyo Dome. I was going through a Bruiser Brody phase. And I thought, well, I can't, uh, I'm not tall like Brody, but I can be bigger than all these Japanese guys. Just because of the way things are now, I'm one of the taller guys. Everyone's a little bit smaller. And Japanese appreciate the bulkier physiques. So let me just get a little bit bigger and just beat the crap out of it, which is what I did. It worked out to the point where I had three uh, Tokyo domain events. I just never lost the weight. And then pandemic comes and, you know, you, you just don't even realize it. So I went to the medical weight loss clinic and, and followed the, the diet and places called Options. And I wanted to lose 10 pounds. I lost 11 in the first week. And I thought, well, let me just stick with us and see how it goes. I currently weigh 209 pounds. Um, so I lost 32 pounds since January. And, that's, and that was by about April that I was down to that. So that's when the big weight loss happened where everyone was like, oh, my gosh, Jericho's in such great shape. Because I never, like, posted pictures and said, lost 10 pounds. I just, I just didn't do anything. I just stayed, you know, I just suddenly, voila, here it is. Because once again, I wasn't able to wrestle. Because I was on the blood thinners. And after a few weeks, I went down to five milligrams twice a day. So that's good. And I also did some very extensive research on athletes who are on blood thinners. And I found a couple guys in the NBA, a couple guys in the NFL, and found these guys are able to play and coexist on blood thinners. And what they do is they just don't take a blood thinner 36 hours before the event. Because what you want, it's not a matter of getting cut open and bleeding. It's a matter of, of, of your blood is thinner. And, you know, if you hit your head or something, you could hemorrhage. So I was very cognizant of that. And very much talking to Dr. Shaw and talking to uh, Doc Sampson with AW, who's our team doctor, and just keeping an eye on everything. And once again, now all of these exams that i'm going for these tests they're all coming up great they're testing for everything you know you're talking from cancer to you name it everything's tested and it's check 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 good 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 my heart uh was to the point where they said it's pretty much um certain that you won't have a heart attack for the next five to ten years you're great colonoscopy great seal of approval lungs i went to a couple uh, to a lung doctor to do all my lung tests and the final lung test was you have to walk down a hallway back and forth for six minutes. And if your blood oxygen level drops, then, you know, you know, you still have problems. And I remember the lady was like, if you have to stand against the wall and take a break, you can. I'm like, I won't have to. And I walked six minutes back and forth and my blood oxygen level was 100. You know, as you're walking, your blood, oxygen level, you know, as you start having exercise, the, the blood has a tendency to... Um, blood oxygen level to go down but mine did not go down it stayed at that 9900 so check mark on that all of my blood levels were checked that was all great so then then it's just a matter of when can i go back to the ring and i also found out something very interesting as well when i went to the hematologist who once again checks to see you know what could be causing these blood clots 
she came back and said that I had a factor five gene in my blood. And that basically contributes to blood clots. Now you could have a two-sided factor five, which is like, I think that means that both parents have it, but mine is a half gene, not a full one. So that meant I might not have to take the blood thinners, which is eloquence forever. Um, and I had another specialist tell me that probably the Paget Schroeder wasn't the case. It was probably the factor five. I had a lung PFT. That was the one that was the uh, check mark and amazing. And Professor Howard told me that he's very excited and, uh, and, and uh, happy with what everything did and just said, you know, you have to keep an eye on this, uh, err on the side of caution and stay on the anticoagulation until you see that these clots are gone. So that's kind of where that was. And then now we're kind of thinking, well, what are we going to do wrestling-wise? Now, the interesting thing, now uh, we're in kind of mid-January. And if you remember, I had started this Eddie Kingston program with 2.0 and Danny Garcia back in November, where 2.0 and Garcia would beat, they beat up Kingston, then 2.0 and Garcia beat up Jericho, and then I kind of do a run-in on them when Eddie's getting beat up, where Eddie takes umbrage to it, and it's not the case. I'm not there to save Eddie. I'm there to get revenge on 2.0 Garcia, not caring about Eddie Kingston, and, and the same thing works for, for him as well. So I started that in November, then suddenly come back. I can't wrestle. And then it gets to the point mid-January, I'm thinking, okay, all of these things are working out. My PFT is good. The lungs are good. The heart is good. I could probably have a match. Problem is then Eddie Kingston uh, breaks his orbital bone. Now he can't wrestle. So this, this angle took a different twist to where then it became about Santana and Ortiz where Eddie Kingston said, well, maybe either you didn't win the titles because of, of Chris Jericho. And it just really added to this whole storyline, knowing that we kind of had to stall once because I couldn't work then because Eddie couldn't work. And one of the ideas we had is it was going to be me and Eddie Kingston having a match and Eddie not tagging me in which is something that happened between me and Sam Punk one time where he just didn't tag me and he was angry at me. And it really bugged me that you would do a whole match and not tag me in. So I thought, well, this is really cool. Maybe we can do that uh, with Eddie Kingston. Well, Eddie couldn't work. So what we did was my first match back after the pulmonary embolism was with, uh, it was me and Santana and Ortiz and Cleveland uh, on January 26th, Dynamite versus 2.0 and Garcia. Now, the thing about that was, remember what we said, Santana Ortiz didn't tag me in. That was their message to me. They, they just weren't going to tag me in, which was what we planned to do with Eddie Kingston. But because he couldn't wrestle, he was off for a while. We did it with them, and I couldn't wrestle either. But it was kind of a way to get back into the ring. And it was also the first time that I came for a match keeping in mind that I think, you know, in that three weeks, I'd already lost probably 20 pounds or so. Maybe and people were like, what's Jericho doing? He's in such great shape. Meanwhile, I stayed on the program. I still am on the program, but I lost another 15 pounds. Like I said, 32 pounds down. So my first match back officially was February 16th with Jake Hager versus Santana and Ortiz in Nashville. And I think at that point, I definitely was down 25 pounds. And had the match, and that's where I remember the match was really good, hard-hitting, impactful, and I had just 
basically stopped taking the blood thinners 36 hours before. And then as soon as the match is done, you continue taking the blood thinners because blood thinners work very quickly. They work quickly and they get out of your system quickly. So 36 hours before, that's gone. Still keeping an eye on the scans that I was doing to make sure that the blood clots were disappearing. And I was finding that they were going down. They were getting smaller and disappearing altogether. So everything is going in the right direction, exactly where you want things to go. Continue forward to where now I have lost the 32 pounds and now still on the blood thinners, but less and less and less. And then Dr. Shaw said things are going so well in the right direction. After six months, you can go from five milligrams twice a day of the Eliquis blood thinner to two and a half twice a day. And as of January 9th, or sorry, June 9th, that's exactly where I was down to that. So as we can see now, everything is kind of moving to where it should be. And I have another scan uh, with the hematologist, I believe in a couple weeks and they'll check and see kind of what the uh, blood clots are doing. But if they're still moving in the right direction, there is a chance that I won't have to be on these blood thinners at all. And it's not a big deal now. I take them twice a day. And like I said, you just have to remember, believe me, once you have your, your life depends on it, it's pretty easy to stay on a schedule. It's pretty easy to you know, do what you have to do to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Because, you know, pulmonary embolism is something that you hear that word, but you don't really know exactly what it is. And when you find out about, like I said, all the different things that could happen, it really is, uh, uh, I guess, eye-opener. It was a warning to me from God, a warning to me that you need to take better care of yourself because I needed to lose weight. I just didn't really think about it. And you look at a picture of me from, you know, December of 21, according to now, it's like, oh my gosh, it's a completely different looking guy. And people take notice when, when you lose weight. And it's something that I should have done anyways for myself, from a professional standpoint, but it just really tied in to the whole Jericho Appreciation Society. And I'll explain to you how, you know, indirectly that whole gimmick and that whole storyline was, was completely because of the pulmonary embolism. So, like I said, being, I guess, injured is the proper word, or sidetracked maybe is better, really ended up being a very beneficial thing. Because that's one thing, you know, I've been pretty good at is reading the room in wrestling, shall we say. And uh, I've been really kind of preaching that you don't try and lead the story, you let the story lead you. So we went from, you know, Eddie Kingston and Jericho where the plan was he was going to win the big one. I said he couldn't win the big one. He wins the big one. He beats me. And then we become kind of a ipso facto team. And maybe we get together with Mox and become kind of like these hard-hitting veteran, you know, guys. Well, I get hurt. Then Eddie gets hurt. And then the Santana Ortiz kind of turning their backs on me happens, which then leads to... You know, uh, me and Eddie at the pay-per-view in February, he beats me. And the next night I go to shake his hand, which I said I would shake his hand if he won. And just about to do that, 2.0 and Danny Garcia come down. And, of course, then Santana Ortiz come down and we turn on them. And that's when the Jericho Appreciation Society is formed. 
Now, the reason why that even happened was, A, like I mentioned all the other things prior, but then another one was that Brian Danielson was talking about wanting to use Danny Garcia and his faction, and I thought, well, they've already built Garcia in 2.0. It would be a shame for 2.0 if they took Garcia away. And then it's like, well, why don't we just keep them together and have them start with me? That would be great. And you guys know the rest of the story because we told it with um, with the Jericho Appreciation Society on Talk is Jericho a few weeks ago. But yeah, the, 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 the Jazz story, the Jericho Appreciation Society story started, the faction started, which led to the classic anarchy in the arena, which led to the classic hell in the cell, which led to the classic six man at Forbidden Door. And none of that would have happened had this blood clot, <laughs> this pulmonary embolism not happened. And my kind of physical transformation, which was another kind of Jericho evolution that really fit perfectly with the Jericho Appreciation Society timing-wise, that wouldn't have happened. I mean, I doubt that I would have lost as much as I did as quickly as I did if I didn't have to get rid of the visceral fat. Now, the visceral fat was at 11. It's supposed to be under 10. After one week, it was at 9. Now it's down to 6. It's under control. And like I mentioned, the blood is under control. Um, interesting that they check your, your COVID antibody levels, and my antibodies are 500, and the norm is 50. So that shows that vaccinations work. Just interesting. It really does. And... Everything else is, is great. So it's just good to know that when I had this warning about my health uh, from God, <laughs> that um, I was able to really take advantage of that and make sure that it doesn't happen again. Now, once again, could I have prevented the blood clots from happening? I don't know. It's this factor five, or maybe it was the Paget Schroeder, or many things in between. It's not like, you know, if you get too fat blood clots happen or if you get too skinny blood clots happen i think they just happen when they're going to happen but thankfully because i recognized that there was an issue when i couldn't breathe on stage you know like i said after the first couple times it happened i was going on youtube and looking for breathing exercises and this is not breathing exercises i've never had this problem before you know and having my first match back was a little bit intimidating and scary but also doing my first fozzy show afterwards was a little bit intimidating and scary what happens if i'm short of breath again what happens if the same thing goes down that went down when i was in england thankfully i haven't had any problems singing wise i'm right back to where i was before so it's cool to see all of these positive things happening it's cool to know that these blood uh, thinners are getting down to like i said you know two and a half twice a day going from 10 twice a day that's how serious it was so I guess just to finish off, it's a warning. You have to listen to your body. And I've always been good at doing that. Listen to your body. And if you're having issues, make sure to address them. And I'm glad that I did that. And had I not addressed them, had I tried to tough it out, who knows? I might not have made it home. You never know. But I got to the point where I knew, like I said, I cannot do another show in this condition i cannot do another show under these circumstances and like i said it sucked to have to cancel i'm sorry to the people of swansea and nottingham and people in london but this is the reason why 
And I didn't want to tell this story right after it happened because I wanted to make sure that I was kind of over the worst of it. And now that it's almost all gone, like I said, maybe I have to stay on Eloquus longer. Maybe I don't. But two and a half a day, these pills are so small compared to the giant horse pills that I had to take at first. I can deal with it. And obviously, I know I can wrestle. Uh, I've had a dozen matches since then, whatever it's been. All of them have been very good. And it's like Tony Khan said, the, the reason why I knew it was time, because now people are asking me about the blood clots, it, it is the best thing that happened to me. And I, I feel that I am uh, you know, at another peak. Because imagine putting on a 32-pound weight belt and doing a wrestling match. Imagine putting on a 32-pound weight belt and doing, you know, a 12-mile bike ride, which is what I do uh, when I'm at home, you know, three times a week. Or doing a Fozzie show with the amount of physical activities. I was never blowing up at that previous weight at 240 pounds. But it definitely is a lot better now. Both from a physical standpoint, aesthetically, looks-wise. I mean, it really is a resurgence for me. Um... I was getting stale in the position I was in as the baby face. That was right when I was doing GFY, which people were saying, this is the worst catchphrase ever. And I was like, man, people are really getting sick of me as, as a baby face, you know? And uh, that's why we turned heel with Jericho Appreciation Society, a whole new classic faction, you know? And I'll tell you this too. The people that were burying me online for being a little bit bigger haven't said a word about losing weight. Nothing then. People are very fast to jump on you when they consider you to be under their lofty levels of expectations. But then when you reach them, there's no like, congratulations, buddy. I was barren you before, but you sure did a great job. That's fine. I didn't do what I did for anybody else. I did it for me. I'm just saying it is kind of funny. And I know who you are. You know who you are. And you guys know who I'm talking about. But that's fine. I'm happy. I feel that this is a career resurgence for me at the perfect time. And most importantly, I am healthy. So I'll end it off with this. If you guys are having any warnings for anything, please go get checked out. If you're short of breath or if you're, you know, having some pains and aches, you know, anything. I just went and had an MRI the other day because I was having some ache and it was negative And now the ache is gone. But it doesn't hurt to go get it checked. So I love you guys and thank you for your concern. And that's the reason why I wasn't around. And that's kind of the, the, the issues that I had, the medical issues that I had were caused by the pulmonary embolism. So now you know, and now you know how I survived a pulmonary embolism. All right, guys, stay safe. And like I said, if you have any issues at all, please go get checked. Don't take any chances and be cool. I love you and I'll see you, uh, I'll see you uh, at the shows. 